Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Good morning, Life Story Church friends and family. Uh, so glad that you guys are here with us today. Uh, we've got a little bit of a different setup this morning, as you can see. Uh, we are coming to you from the Life Story Church uh, studio here. Uh, and we're doing it a little bit different. We're doing it all remotely, so it's going to be a little bit of a different experience, but hopefully uh, more the same than different. Uh, I've got my partner in crime, Evangeline, over here running the slideshow for me, and she says hi. Uh, we've got our media team uh, doing the back end of all of the audio and, uh, and uh, technical stuff for the streams, uh, uh, working remotely as well. So everybody say hi to Andrew and Carolyn. Uh, so how incredible, though, that on a morning like this, when we wake up and there's ice everywhere and it's not safe for anyone to go anywhere, how cool is it that we can still from everybody being somewhere else, still make this happen. So God is good. I tell you what, what a, what a day we are living in. Talk about an explosion of knowledge, huh? Uh, well, just do this for me right off the bat. Say hello to your uh, church uh, family and friends and people who might be joining online, especially if there's somebody that you've never even seen joining here. Say hi. Tell them that you're glad that they're with us. I'll, I'll say it. I'm glad that you guys are with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, so uh, a couple announcements to get to right off the bat. Uh, one thing we always like to do uh, before we get started is send you guys over to uh, our Facebook page and uh, our Instagram site, lifestorychurch.com. Uh, we've got that as well. We are a grassroots church in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, in the Bellevue community of Nashville, Tennessee. We are currently meeting out in Pegram right now. But as a grassroots church, uh, something like free advertisement is awesome. So uh, these social media sites, even though there's a lot of uh, bad press that's been happening, you know, the Twitter stuff, the censoring stuff on Facebook and, uh, you know, the Gestapo's fact checkers and all that stuff. Right. Uh, it's still a great way for us to get the word of God out. So and get it to people who might not hear it otherwise and and uh, let them hear about what we're trying to build in this community as well. I know there's a number of families in the church, a number of people that join us every single week uh, from all over the country and all over the world, actually, that first found us through these social media platforms. So uh, if you've never liked gone to the Life Story uh Facebook page. Make sure you go there. Make sure you click like and follow and all that stuff. Same thing with the Instagram post. Uh, what? You said Facebook. Facebook. All right. Give me a break. I tell you what. Uh, <laughs> the also take advantage of the church website, guys. Uh, our web designer Renee did an awesome job on that, and there's all kinds of uh, information as far as who we are. Um, what we believe and why. Uh, if you want to partner with us as well, you can go to there and give online, uh, uh, whether it's tithes or offerings or whatnot. We actually just announced um, a week ago that that uh, we're starting a building fund so that uh, when and if the time comes uh, that the Lord gives us an opportunity to uh, either buy a building or if we're uh, have some land opportunity that we could build something. So uh, take advantage of that on the, on the website, lifestorychurch.com. Uh, I know so, so many of you guys just tithe there anyway, because that's the world we live in, right? So I know I pay all my bills online. So uh, in any case, uh, I also want to mention before we get started this morning, uh, that uh, the women's Bible study is starting again. So yay, yay. Can I get thumbs up and emoji faces and all that stuff from you ladies? Uh, uh, Stephanie Lofton uh, is um, eager to host that at her house. So uh, we're looking forward to that starting in March. And we'll have uh, more information posted about that in the upcoming weeks. So uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. And I encourage you guys to uh, be a part of that. We're also going to be starting a men's group. Uh, and the target date is March, though we don't have a date for that one yet. Uh, we want we want to start uh, a 
uh, a gathering of us guys too. We're a church that believes in doing life together at the end of the day. We're, we're small enough at this point that we're basically like a family and we always want to stay that way. So we want to put things in place that will cultivate that feeling of family and community, especially considering so many people from Nashville aren't even from Nashville and don't have family here, myself included. So church family is so important to have people to go through life with, to be in the valleys with, and then on the mountaintop with, because it's always more fun to celebrate with your friends and your family, what God's doing in your life. Amen. Amen. So stay tuned for uh, information about all of that stuff. We're not doing worship this morning, as you can tell, because we had the uh, Rutledge West and Pegram all set up. <clears throat> all the awesome, awesome uh, media team stuff is all set up there. My guitar is still there even. So uh, we weren't planning on this ice this morning. So uh, we're just going to uh, uh, roll right here from my laptop. And uh, but you know what? We're going to get the word of God out. Uh, get the word of God out, aren't we? Good. Yes, we are. So. Um, with that, uh, let's transition here. The sermon that we are uh, continuing it with this morning is the times that try men's souls. Uh, we've been going through uh, the book of Jude. Uh, I always like to say chapter by chapter and verse by verse, but this is just a small little epistle. It is uh, simply one chapter. So we're going through it verse by verse, uh, uh, as we say. Uh, this is, I think, incredibly relevant uh, for us, for the church today, for the times that we're living in, because the, the letter that Jude wrote, Jesus' brother, wrote this letter, obviously it was written to a church then as well, as the churches in Revelation were, and the churches of uh, Ephesians and uh, um, uh, Thessalonians and everything else. But they're, they're also intended for us as well. But Jude especially is a letter that was written, intended to be read by the end-time church. It has been nicknamed uh, by many scholars as the Acts of the Apostates. Uh, we know the Acts of the Apostles, right? The book of Acts and the, the first church history. But the Acts of the Apostates, I think, is a fitting, fitting name uh, for uh, this letter. Because ultimately, Jude is talking about apostates that will come on the scene in the end times and creep into the church and infect the church. And boy, that's something that we should be aware of if, if it's prophesied. Amen. So in this short little text, in this short little text, uh, the allusions that Jude makes, and I think we've seen this already, takes us all over the word of God, truly to many places untraveled uh, by Christians today. In doing this, Jude calls us to do a few things, to contend for the faith, and also uh, he delivers this warning about the deceivers that have crept in with ill intent, and that's important to remember, with ill intent. But there's so much more, so much more here for us than just that, guys. So let's, I want to begin by revisiting uh, where we were last week for context, because we always say context matters, right? So Let's go to Jude uh, and read verses 3 and 4 together, shall we? Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. So he is planning to write them a letter about their common salvation, celebratory, I'm sure, uh, and that be the subject matter. However, the Holy Spirit changed his mind. And I found it necessary to write you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Verse 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed. So here are these people in the church. We can't let that be lost on us. They are in the church and they are unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so, as we said last week, right, we've got creepers. <laughs> we've, 
we've got creepers in the church that we need to be looking out for. And then we jumped in over to verses 8 and 9. Can I have 8 and 9, Eva? Thank you. Likewise. Likewise, also, these dreamers... <laughs> Cyrus made an appearance this morning. Likewise, also, these dreamers... <laughs> you ever see that video where the, uh, the, the reporter is doing the... Uh, uh, a report on live stream and the little kid walks in behind him and falls over, nanny falls over trying to get the kid anyway. Hilarious. Uh, I thought that was going to be me for a second. Uh, likewise, also, uh, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Verse 9. Yet, the archangel... In contending with the devil, when he was when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation. But he said, <clears throat> "The Lord rebuke you." Now, this is an interesting verse. Okay, so we got the context there, right? These men are going to come. Likewise, these dreamers are going to defile the flesh. They're going to uh, reject authority. They're going to speak evil of dignitaries, right? And then this verse 9, Michael the arch, archangel, archangel, contending with the devil when disputing about Moses' body, he dared not even uh, say uh, a reviling accusation against the devil. This is so, I mean... Very little is written about this verse. It's just kind of out of nowhere. Uh, Jude assumes that we all remember the story of how the chief of the angels, Michael, had a dispute with Satan over the body of Moses and, and tries to make a point from it. God, this is so cool. I mean, we've got new information here, guys. This is new information. Uh, we would otherwise... Get this, we would otherwise never know that this altercation had even occurred just based on the, the biblical text. Okay, um, there's, a, there's an apocryphal, apocryphal text that mentions it, but Jude just assumes that we will already, we already know about it. Okay, the Holy Spirit wanted us to know about it, so to make a point about it, so he has Jude mention it. So this is actually just uh, one, one of the many places in Scripture that this happens. Can I see this next graphic, Eva? There are other new revelations uh, that we find throughout the Scriptures. Uh, other revelations, uh, new revelations that are given by allusions uh, would be, uh, did you know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness? Eva, can you shut that door? Uh, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Yeah, I didn't know he was a preacher. Did you? I knew he built the ark and everything, but I didn't know that uh, he was spending his time preaching righteousness to the world before all of that happened. There's, you'll not find that in the Torah and uh, in, in the, the recounting of the story. Um, but according to Peter, Second Peter two five, he was a preacher of righteousness. Did you? Uh, are you? We're all familiar with the phrase. It's better to give than to receive, right? <clears throat> we all know who said that, don't we? Who said that? Somebody tell me. It's right there for you. Jesus said that, but he didn't say it in the Gospels. No, it's mentioned in the books of Acts, in the book of Acts. It's mentioned there in Acts chapter 20. Uh, same thing in 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8. Janus and Jambres are mentioned by name uh, by Paul as he's writing to Timothy. He names the two magicians of Pharaoh when, when Moses went before Pharaoh and their ma magicians came out and tried to uh, mimic uh, the miracles that God was doing. We get their names from 2 Timothy. Otherwise, we'd never know. Uh, same thing with James chapter 5, verse 17. In James uh, chapter 5, verse 17, we see that uh, uh, we all remember the story of, uh, of Elijah, how Elijah, the, you know, the prophet, went to the king Ahab and said, you know, prophesied that there was going to be no rain uh, for three and a half years, and then it didn't rain, and there was the drought and all of that, and the whole story of Mount Carmel, we remember all of that. But what we wouldn't know, except for James chapter 5, uh, is that Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. 
He prayed for that to happen. And so the fact that God did that, that was actually an answer to Elijah's prayer. So a lot of moving parts there. Also, we see Stephen's uh, history that he gives in Acts chapter 7, which is incredible. Uh, If you guys want some insight into the story of Abraham and Moses even, um, read Acts chapter 7 because, uh, like I said, um, there's a lot of details here that we don't get in the Old Testament. And we find out that Pharaoh at the time of Moses, he wasn't wasn't even Egyptian. Pretty cool stuff. But in getting back to uh, verse 9, this story, this story of Satan trying to steal the body of Moses is so, so interesting. Um, why, why would they care about Moses's body? I mean, think about this. Why should they care about Moses's body? Well, there's a couple different reasons. Um, first, there's the potential for it being worshipped. Uh, you know, Satan's goal is always deception. Uh, it's always false worship. You know, when uh, the beast comes and uh, the Antichrist comes, they, they set the beast up to be worshipped, and then Satan possesses the Antichrist himself at some point halfway through the tribulation. And so it's all about him wanting to be worshipped. Ultimately, that was his downfall, was trying to uh, usurp the Father's authority. Uh, another example of that is the brazen serpent we find in the story of King Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, that 690 years after that episode where, uh, where um, God had everybody look at the uh, brazen serpent on the pole, uh, that that object, they started to worship it in Israel. Uh, so there's a fetish risk here, okay? They're beginning to worship things. We see it uh, again happen. Well, we've seen it with the Catholic Church and their object worship, haven't we? You know, they uh, throughout history, pieces of the cross of Christ have been like they spread around in different Catholic churches, different Catholic churches across Europe and uh, the, the um, Middle Asia Minor, Middle East. They would have these pieces of the cross and it's a special church because yeah, they have this piece of the cross or the hair or corpse of a saint, for example. Uh, the crown of thorns, they used to have different pieces of the crown of thorns spread around. The Shroud of Turin uh, as well to a lesser extent. Um you know, they become things that they worship. And, and and that's not what our God wants. He doesn't want us to worship the clothes he wore or the cross he was crucified on. No, he, he, he wants our worship. Um, so that could have been one of the reasons that, that uh, this conjecture, but uh, I could see Moses's uh, tomb or body becoming a, a thing of worship. And uh, so by, by uh, not letting Satan have that, that's not a tool that Satan can't use. Or there's the second possibility. Uh, God wanted to protect him uh, because he is coming back to play a future role. Now, we, are no, we know that there are two end-time prophets during the uh, tribulation period, and without getting into that for time's sake this morning, we know that uh, they're going to do miracles, signs and wonders when they come. And the miracle signs and wonders sure look a lot like... Um, you know, the things that Moses did and the things that Elijah did. So uh, those are probably my two uh, uh, front runners for uh, who the two prophets in the tribulation will be. Uh, possibly Enoch, they say, because he was raptured and didn't have a mortal death. But And it's, you know, it is, uh, Scripture tells us that it's, uh, we're all to die a mortal de- death at one point, except for the church that gets raptured. But then, again, he was a form of a rapture, um, or rapture, not even just a form of it. But the, um, the issue is that uh, those two prophets, I tell you what, they, oh, well, remember the Mount of Transfiguration. They were the two having a uh, team meeting with Jesus up there as well, if you recall. But one thing we do know about Moses' body is that God ended up burying Moses himself in a secret place, as told to us by Deuteronomy uh, chapter 34, uh, verses 4 and 5. Let's read that, shall we? So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Bethpur, 
but no one knows his grave to this day. You know, but what this really brings to light for me uh, is the assumption, the assumption that we will be well-versed in and thus actively engaged in spiritual warfare. This whole story of Michael and the struggle of spiritual warfare issue here, guys, uh, there are struggles happening all around us. And Jude just speaks in these terms like we are going to be well aware of that. You know, many of these spiritual struggles and, and, and battles that are happening all around of us, all around us, they don't even involve us personally or directly. I'm just telling you, if church, if we could just see, if we could just see with spirit eyes what's happening all around us 24-7, I think that we would be, our minds would be blown. I mean, take, take what we know about Michael for example, uh, first, okay? Take what we know about Michael. The first time that we uh, uh, see Michael, the first time that he is mentioned in Scripture was in Daniel chapter 10. Let's read that. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, there it is, one of the chief princes came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, church, these are spiritual, these are spiritual kings. This is not uh, um, kings of territories that are withholding the archangel Michael, okay? Let's read verse 20, uh, uh, what he says as well. Can we have that, Eva? Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. So uh, we've heard this story, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this story, but we know that Daniel was praying. Daniel was praying, and a, the messenger was sent to Daniel. For three weeks, Daniel prayed. For three weeks, he was praying, and no messenger was arriving. And then he arrives and said, sorry, I took so long. I was contending with this prince of Persia for, three, for 21 days, right? Three weeks. And now when I leave here, I'm going to have to contend with him again. And then, and then the prince of Greece will come after that. Well, guess what? The kingdom of Greece did indeed come after the Persian era. So church, I'm just saying, when you pray, hear me now, when you pray and you don't receive your answer, you need to keep praying. You need to keep praying praying. Is it an issue of timing? Yes, of course. And guess what? Sometimes the things we pray for, the answer is no. All right. So we need to be ready for that and check the condition of our hearts on, on our prayer life. Right. But we have no idea. We have no idea what could be trying to thwart or delay the plan of God in our lives. Do you hear me on this? I hope you guys are talking this morning. I hope you're chattering back and forth. Because are you hearing me on this, guys? We have no idea what could be trying to thwart or delay the plan of God in our life and what demonic forces are truly fighting us. Mm. We wage not a war, not as the world does, right? For we fight against principalities and de demonic strongholds in heavenly places, Paul said. We cannot forget that, guys, okay? Now, but getting, uh, in, in getting back to verse 9 again, Jude says, and this kind of touches back on what we talked about last week. Jude says, even Michael, even Michael didn't rail at and slander Satan. I mean, I'd say... If anyone has a right to do so, you'd think it would probably uh, be Michael. He'd be on my list. Uh, you know, those two still have a fight night. <laughs> they still have a fight night scheduled. Uh, did you know that? For the end times. I think it's coming up sometime this fall. Uh, Michael will stand up to protect the children of Israel. Okay. 
in the time of Jacob's trouble. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 tells us that, right? In the time of uh, Jacob's trouble, he'll stand up and he will step in to protect the children of Israel. And not one of them will be lost that are found written in the book of life. And then Satan, guess what? He's thrown down to the earth by Michael halfway through the tribulation uh, in Revelation 12. So I guess actually... Uh, my sometime this fall joke uh, doesn't work there because the timing would be off. Uh, so all of that, all of that, and Jude says, still, Michael, still, Michael won't say a reviling accusation. He just says this. He just says, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. This has got to be church. One of the most extreme examples, wouldn't you say, that Jude could have used to make this point, especially considering it's not even in the Old Testament, but the Holy Spirit wanted us to know this story, to make this point. Uh, that's going to be my new thing, I think. Uh, I think uh, I'll say, the Lord rebuke you. That's what I'll have. If I get really upset, I'll say, speak no reviling accusation. The Lord rebuke you. That's what I'll say. The Lord rebuke you. Oh, church. We must. Here's the thing that I'm pulling out of this. We must live our lives in a state of spiritual awareness. Do you hear me? Somebody say amen. Help me out. I'm not alone out here today. Amen. All right. Amen. We must live our lives in a state of spiritual awareness. Too many Christians, too many Christians make two enormous mistakes, two enormous mistakes when they ignore Satan, one, or they pretend he doesn't exist. How many of, our lives, of us are living our lives not even giving any thought throughout the day to the spiritual war that is raging all around us for the soul of humanity and the deed to this earth that will one day Jesus will take out of the hand of his father and break those seals, that title deed to this planet. Church, hmm, tell you what, it's like, yeah, it's like a wild animal. I want you to think about it like this. A wild animal, if you don't have a respect or a violent breed of dog, we'll say, okay? If you don't have a healthy respect for the harm that it could do, it'll bite you. <laughs> it'll, it'll bite you, church. He will bite you. Satan will bite you. <laughs> it'll bite you. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of a story. Um, I don't know if I should tell it. Um there is uh, all right. I don't. I think I'm. In, I think I'm in the clear. This was about nine years ago. It was the first year of my ministry, coming up on ten years, probably. And uh, first year as a pastor, and there was somebody in our church, not this church, not Life Story Church. Somebody in our church came up to me and told me a story after service about how they woke up in the middle of the night and their foot hurt so bad, and he said, "The devil bit my toe," <laughs> and it was all I could do in this tonight. I think I still smiled. I was like, what? But, you know, at the time I was thinking, no, it's probably just more related to your diabetes. But uh, I don't know. This might have me turned around on this one. Maybe the devil did bite his toe. Uh, I'm just saying, Satan will bite you, church. Okay. Uh, Jude continues on then. Uh, in verse 10, the next verse, let's read. He continues on. Let's read verse 10. Oh, I'm controlling that, aren't I? Thank you. All right. Sorry, Eva. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. In these things, they corrupt themselves. Huh. That's interesting. Um, can I see this next graphic? Can we pull that up, Eva? Like creatures without reason, uh, the King James Version says, these brute beasts. Well, what, what are we talking about here? Well, we've got one thought, as we have studied through in the last couple weeks, one thought linking verses 8, 9, and 10, and it's railing at dignitaries, speaking reviling things, speaking evil, uh, vilifying would be another way of saying it. The archangel 
dealing with Satan himself and possessing a certainly a more perfect knowledge than ours, even he dared not to speak in judgment. That's it drives me nuts. Uh, I read this scripture and it says, ever since I did a long time ago, it always bothered me when people will just talk smack about Satan. You know, I, I don't like, I don't like the guy, right? I don't like, who does, right? We cannot wait until he is bound, but God will deal with him. Okay. Even the archangel Michael wouldn't slander and don't poke the bear. Right. Uh, but more than that, more than that, it's in your own best interest, right? Than to open doors for him to operate into your life. But at the same time, even the word of God, the Holy Spirit is uh, saying to us here you know, to, to watch it, you know, because these, these apostates won't. Okay. These apostates, these speak evil of whatever they do not know. They speak evil of whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally, like brute, brute beasts, and these things, they corrupt themselves. In other words, an apostate doesn't hesitate to speak out in condemnation concerning matters about which he or she does not know enough about to make him or her a judge over others. They just let it fly, guys. They just let it fly. And one thing that we know as Holy Spirit-filled believers, is that the fruit of the Holy Spirit teaches us self-control, doesn't it? it teaches us self-control, guys. Holy Spirit teaches us temperance. The Holy Spirit uh, makes us slow to anger. And I can keep going on and on and on, right? But these, these who have crept into the church, many even in leadership positions, many, they have no leash for their tongue. No leash for their tongue. The Greek word for uh, evil in verse 10 is actually the word blasphemeo. Blasphemeo, and it means to vilify. So they just run their mouth and they, they speak evil of dignitaries, right? They have no respect for authority and offices and they speak intending to vilify. Jude 11, verse 11 then reads, Woe to them. Woe to them, oh, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Hmm. Wow. Uh, here we have, again, three different illusions. <laughs> He's making three new illusions for you guys. Um, there's uh, three illusions here that he again assumes that you, yes, you, if you're watching this, you're 2000 years later here, you're the end time church. He's assuming that you're going to know the way uh, of Cain, the error of Balaam and the rebellion of Korah. He's assuming you're going to know what he's talking about here, guys. Is anybody else here thinking that? Man, I need to know my Bible better. I mean, for real. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. Because we all do. We all do, church, okay? All of us. We are not as equipped. If, this, if, if studying in Jude teaches us anything so far, I think that it teaches us that we are not as equipped for this time as the church fathers thought that we would be. Uh, but that's been Satan's plan all along. You've got to know it. That's been Satan's plan all along, guys. Uh, he's gotten prayer in the Bible out of school, right? Out of school. Uh, prayer in the Bible out of school. He's wrecked our economic world. Uh, to the extent that, you know, uh, moms couldn't stay home if they wanted to stay home nowadays. Uh, it takes two incomes and for the majority of homes uh, to uh, be sustained. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I'm convinced that at this point in time, Congress would try to stone Jesus if he showed up in the flesh. I mean, that's just where we are. So... Satan has worked hard 
to get us to this place, but that doesn't give us an excuse. We have got to be better at church. Do you hear me? Hear my heart on this now. We have got to be better. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be more spiritual or we need to be more emotional in our response to the presence of God or anything like that, okay? Any emotion, if it's genuine, is involuntary, okay? I'm just tired of these you know, vanilla, drippy, pretentious movements of God popping up all over, all over the place, feeding on people's emotional brokenness. When what we really need as the church is to know the word of God. Hear my heart on this, guys. That is what we right now, if Jude has taught me anything through this study, it is that we do not know the word of God as the church like we should and like we must Okay, so you know what we need more than anything in the world today? A revival of Bible teaching churches. That's what we need, in my opinion. For even the elect would be deceived if it were possible. Remember that there is a time coming very soon upon this earth where the delusion will be sent upon it. Such a strong delusion that even the elect would be deceived if it were possible. And remember this, too, church, with these a lot of these movements I mentioned that are popping up, uh, just emotional sucker uh, movements, the false prophets in the end time will be empowered to do signs and wonders. Okay? <laughs> they will be empowered by Satan to do miraculous things. If that doesn't alarm you, Okay? I don't know what will. But one thing keeps you from being deceived. One thing will keep you from being deceived. You know what it is? The lie detector test that is the word of God. Amen? Somebody say amen. Say truth. Say verily. We agree. So we could probably do a three-part sermon uh, just based on uh, these three uh, examples these that he gives, these illusions that he makes. The way of Cain, the error of Balaam, the rebellion of Korah. I'm not even joking. We could do a three-part sermon on this. I'm, I'm going to try to fit it all into... Um, one service, uh, but we're going to, that's, I can't start that this morning, guys. We're already 38 minutes in. So um, up until this point, this is, this is so good though, because up until this point, up until this point, uh, we've seen corporate examples in the illusions that Jude has made to give us examples of what to be warned of, right? Corporate examples. You know, it may have been hard for you uh, to identify with Michael's example, for example, or uh, uh, the fallen angels, for example. But these, these three men, these three men that Jude selects to make a point, uh, they're intended to apply to you and me personally, okay? They're not in chronological order. Uh, so he mentions these three guys, but he mentions them out of order, okay? Do you think that's an accident? Nothing's an accident in the Word of God, is it? No, no, no. Uh, you can be sure that the Holy Spirit put them in order, that order, for a reason. Not only are there errors, errors that we need to avoid, they also portray... A process, a process that he's calling our attention to, that we need to pay attention to. Uh, and it's this. Can I see this next graphic? Uh, there are three classes of people. Three classes of people that, uh, that he is uh, mentioning here. The first, Cain was a tiller of the soil, a farmer. Balaam was a prophet who sold his gift. We'll talk about him. Sold his gift for the highest to the highest bidder. And then Korah was a prince in Israel and uh, was punished for rebellion. So we see a farmer, a prophet, and uh, a prince. So, uh, you know, a layman, you know, just a simple farmer, somebody who's in the religious class, and then somebody who's in the uh, kingly class, okay? 
All three of these people made errors in judgment for which they perished. Okay? Individually, each covers a particular aspect of what it means to fall away from the truth. Oh, church, I hope you hear me and hear my heart on this and hear the heart of the Holy Spirit. Each one of these covers a particular aspect of what it means to fall away from the truth. They enter a wrong path. We'll see. But they enter a wrong path. Then they run riotously down that wrong path. And they perish at its end, ultimately. This should have our attention. Uh, This should have our attention because it doesn't just happen here in the scripture church. It happens in Nashville, doesn't it? It happens uh, wherever you are. It happens in our lives. It happens all, it's happening all around us, church. For those who go down this path, there is no hope. You have to understand. (laughs) To them, according to Hebrews, According to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, to them is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Jude says, woe to them, woe to them, for they have gone this way. These words are past tense, even though he's speaking about a future time and speaking about people who aren't even born yet at this time that he's writing this letter. He's speaking in the past tense. Okay, even though they're uh, yet to come in the end times, this is a literary way of saying that uh, <laughs> that their doom is sure. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? But indeed, it is something that indeed it is something that we shouldn't take lightly. Uh, so I've referenced Second Peter uh, often uh, through this series. Because we find the Holy Spirit speaking of the same group of people. These people that Jude is talking about that come uh, creeping in, that creep in unaware with ill intent, um, we see them uh, in Peter. Peter's talking about the same people. Uh, of this group of people, Peter says this uh, famously, Second Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 20 through 22. For if, underline if, after... After they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if they are again entangled in them and overcome by them, that's a big word, should have underlined that, overcome by them again. Because what is being overcome by them? Uh, a, a surrendering of faith is tied to this. Okay, We are saved by faith. Okay, um, so And it's a gift, so nothing can take it away from us. Okay, but we can lay it down. So if they're overcome, the latter is worse for them than the beginning. Verse 21, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness at all than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Verse 22, but it has happened to them According to the true proverb, that a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen a dog eat its own vomit? It's disgusting. Diva, no. I have never. That sounds disgusting, so I never want to. It is disgusting, and I know some of you adults out there uh, have seen it. I grew up with dogs. I see a dog hack up its vomit and then lap it back up. It's disturbing. Let me just say that. So, quite the uh, um, analogy here, though. That's 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 what this is like to have received the grace of God. Oh my. And then returned to the vomit, or like a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Church, these were beloved people of God. Beloved people of God who traded the truth for a lie. Generally, I believe that once somebody has come to a saving knowledge of Christ, it would be impossible for them to, having once been illuminated, tasted of the Holy Spirit, 
uh, to reject it. Okay, Hebrews chapter six, verse four and five uh, says as much. It'd be impo- it'd be impossible for it. you have once been enlightened to have re- truly been enlightened and saved to lay it down. You know, and goes on to say, well, for, to do so would be crucifying Christ all over again. So I, t- I tend to err that, look, if somebody truly was in the church and then they go the way of Korah, right, in rebellion, uh, or Cain, or um, Balaam, or whatever, that they were probably never really saved in the first place. Because it would be like impossible for them to truly have been enlightened and then turn away from Christ and the free gift of salvation. But here, what do we do with this then, right? But it happens. Peter said it happens. So because guess what, guys? I mean, this touches on um, <clears throat> the old uh, once saved, always saved question, right? Because I mean, I, I do believe that you can ignore the, whole, the voice of the Holy Spirit long enough. If you get used to, when you hear the voice of correction come into you, that you just go plug your ears and you go la, 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 and you just ignore it, you'll get used to ignoring conviction. You'll get used to it. You'll, you'll make enough excuses for yourself eventually that when you hear that voice, you'll already have an answer for it. And eventually, you'll just stop hearing it. And that speaks to Romans chapter 1, uh, if you want to do some uh homework on that. Um, but as to the once saved, always saved thing, I think it's, you know, it's never that simple, is it? Was I believe in once saved, always saved. Yeah, but eh, it's never that simple. Uh, never that simple, guys. Um, not if you believe in free will. Not if you, which I do. I believe in free will. I believe it's an intrinsic part of this this thing that God is doing with humans on this little blue rock that's spinning around a burning ball of gas, right? So, uh, you know, I think you and I know a lot of people in our lives who have traded the truth for a lie, don't we? I think we do. Uh, So if that's the case, how can we say that it doesn't happen, right? Well, next week is going to be good, guys. Here we are. We've arrived. We've arrived at our end destination today. Next week is going to be good. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. These three men, okay? These three men, Jude has rolled them together uh, to portray a process that all apostates go through. It is this, the process of apostasy we should be well aware of in this end time. They knowingly choose the way of Cain rather than the way of Christ. They knowingly choose the error of Balaam rather than the truth of Christ. And ultimately, they perish like Korah rather than living through Christ. So with that church, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here this morning... Thank you for being here. I pray that the Holy Spirit has moved on your heart this morning and he's ready to break some things loose in your life. If you're praying for some things and you're just not seeing anything happen yet, yeah, maybe the answer is no, but you know what? Maybe the answer is not yet. And maybe you need to be praying against some demonic principalities that are very, very real who are trying to stand in the way of and thwart the plan of God for your, for your life. Maybe we need to pray in some warring angels. Pray Michael in to aid the messenger that's being sent. Amen? I'll tell you what. We The first church that we pastored was in northeast Arkansas. And we were there for three and a half years. And my wife will tell you, we could feel the demonic presence that hovered over that area of legalism and, and poverty and legalism and just the guilt, legalistic teachings for so long, pressing down on the people, uh, robbing them of their, their freedom and liberties in Christ. Um, so this is a real thing. We need to be actively praying daily, engaged in spiritual warfare, guys. I mean, geez, even Elijah, remember? Even Elijah prayed for that drought to come, right? We need to be praying. Guess what? Because we believe at Life Story Church that when you pray, 
things happen because God hears you. He sees you, hears you. He's going to use it all. And he answers prayer. Yes, no, and not yet. All the same. But we have to understand that you know, sometimes we're, we're in a spiritual struggle. We do not wage war as the world wages war. Amen? Amen. So if you're here, uh, if you're watching and you need to engage in some spiritual warfare, maybe your eyes are opened a little bit this morning, or maybe maybe you have been, uh, Satan has been lulling you to sleep and pulling you into some apostate apostate thinking, teaching, or behavior, or whatever it is, that every eye closed and every head bowed right where you are in your living room. I don't care if there's people around. I want you to raise your hand and just give it to God. I want you to say this prayer in your heart. I want you to surrender to him right now. Say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you haven't given up on me. Thank you that you love me like you do, Lord. Lord, I surrender these thoughts, these uh, behaviors. I surrender uh, this lifestyle to you, God. Uh, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, inspire and by the Holy Spirit in my heart, Lord, a conviction uh, and a quickening, Lord, to pray and to engage in spiritual warfare. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you, Lord, because I can't do I can't do this without you, Lord. And I know I can't walk into my destiny that you have created for me without you leading the way. So Holy Spirit, I surrender my heart and my life and all these things and more. In Jesus' name, receive it and be glorified and praised by my surrender to you. And may you be glorified and praised by my life. May, be, may I be a living witness and ambassador for the kingdom of God, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Now, if you've never given your life to Jesus, just say this one quick prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. Lord, come into my heart and make me new. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, and I believe you rose from the grave on the third day. I put my faith in you that you hold my eternity, Lord. And that it's not by my works and not by my righteousness that I'm saved, but by yours and that gift that you gave me and clothing me in your robe of righteousness. The debt that I owe you paid. And I believe that and I trust that and I put my faith in that. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour his favor out on your life. May you go in grace and prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We love you guys so much. We'll see you right back here online for our Wednesday night at 7.30 live stream on Facebook Live and YouTube. We're continuing into the book of Revelation. Uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 8 this Wednesday, so don't miss it, guys. Until then, be blessed. We love you, and we'll see you soon. All right.